a Highline podcast. This is Ravel, a roundtable show about the complexity of faith in the age of information. My name's Josh. I'm Stephen. And I'm Emily. We each grew up in different parts of American Christianity, and we still keep thinking about how to take it seriously, even as we leave some beliefs behind. We think theology should be an exploratory dialogue, so our hope is that this podcast will encourage growth, both for individuals and communities. We don't have all the answers, but we're here to sort out as much as we can over a drink or two. Join us as we ravel out our faith in a complex world, pulling on one thread at a time, seeking meaning at the end of it all. Thanks for listening. Hello, my friends. Ah. Oh. I've missed saying that. It's so good to say that. I'm so excited to have you back. Still, like even an episode later, I'm still so excited to do this again. I know. I literally got chills when you said that. I just goosebumped over here in Montana. I have to tell you, um, my first Sunday back was on the 19th, which was my sister's birthday. It was wonderful. When I got up to the podium... I could just see everyone waiting to hold their hands up. And then when I said, good morning, church, there was just this huge round of applause. It was so insane. It was so nice. Oh, Oh, it was great. And I'm back on this excellent podcast for good. I don't plan on having another baby anytime soon. Welcome back to our creative love child of the three of us. Yes. That's what we're doing here. That was a weird way to say it. It's fine. Also, shout out to Steven for editing that last episode and shout out to everyone who listened to our last episode where we so excitedly recorded in person. We know that that audio was not as crisp as we'd like it to be. A lot of popping going on. Shout out to Steven for making us sound as good as we could. Thank you, friends. I'm flattered. That's off to you, my dear friend. So what are we all consuming as beverages? I cannot tell you how long I've waited for you to ask me that. Um, I am <laughs> drinking a Cosmic Pulp from Pike Place Brewing Company. I work oh. pretty near this place, and they have pretty good beer. Um, I didn't realize when I cracked this open that it was an IPA, oh. but I cracked it, and I immediately could tell. Mm, yeah. Mm. And mm. It's, uh, <laughs> the IBU is only 26, so it is not the hoppiest thing I've ever tasted, but it's actually pretty refreshing. Like, it... It tastes pretty good. It's too hoppy for me to drink all the time, but it's... Ah, uh, yeah. The hops content right. is still powerful enough that it changes the atmosphere of the room, though, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh-huh. My delightful partner, uh, Dixie Lee, and I are getting in the, the mood for autumn, so she made us oh. hot buttered rum tonight that I'm sipping Whoa, on. Whoa, what? It is... What is that? It is... Uh, simply amazing um she basically made like this it's almost like a it looks like a cookie dough right but it's rolled it's like brown sugar and cinnamon and vanilla and there's allspice and nutmeg and what she does is she just like cuts a disc off of like this like roll of oh and it's butter of course a bunch of butter um she just cuts a disc off puts it in the bottom of a mug and then just pours boiling water over it to dissolve it and then a shot of rum and it made our house smell amazing and it is truly delicious that just sounds magical like that just sounds like an enchanting beverage it's everything you want from like harvest season in a mug basic (laughs) yeah well (laughs) that sounds really good not gonna lie i kind of want one now i'm kind of jealous yeah emily what are you drinking I'm I'm having alcohol. Oh yeah, because uh, Mama pumped before we got on here. <laughs> um, so I'm enjoying a Seagram's Escapes Jamaican Me Happy. It's lemon, oh strawberry, watermelon, and guava. Mm-hmm. Wow, yes. that sounds great. So wait, it's like yeah. ginger ale, but it's hard. Seagram's yeah. is ginger ale, right? Okay. Yeah, it's like oh. that. Yeah, it's hard. Very hard. Josh, I'm Uh checking my notes here, and I see that someone actually paid for our drinks this evening. Would you mind? Oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. We talked about this before, and I totally forgot. Thank you. Um, Yes, we have a new bartender this week. Oh, maybe we should call them that. No, I don't know. The patrons? Call them bartenders? We've been calling them ravelers. They're ravelers in Discord. Yeah, that's true. 
But the way it's set up in Patreon is that um, they sign up to, quote unquote, buy our drinks this week. And our drinks were bought this week by Danelle, who we've been getting to know slowly through our Discord server. So thank Yay. you for buying our drinks, Danelle. We're so glad to have you. Welcome in, my so friend. So glad. Yes. Ah, oh, welcome. Emily, I've been waiting so long for you to bring a topic to us. I oh. am, I, my heart is open and my mind is ready. Wow. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. Well, so as you all know, or for those of you who are joining in for the very first time, um, before I went on maternity leave, uh, the topic at hand was we were discussing, I believe it was uh, capital punishment. Oh, yeah. Just keep (laughs) it light, you know. Keeping it very light. So now that I'm back, I thought I would actually keep it light. Seriously. (laughs) Um, I had a member of my church who is wonderful. He listens to this podcast. Hello, Brian. Hope you're doing well. Um, He actually brings this topic up and I was intrigued by it. How many of you have seen the movie All Dogs Go to Heaven, right? Kind of a creepy cartoon. Oh, no. Truthfully, I haven't. (gasps) You haven't? No. Seriously. Oh, don't be don't yank my chain. Are you serious? I I am not teasing at all. I haven't seen this film. (gasps) Okay. Are I we in the think... doghouse now for not seeing hey. it? Oh, good one, Josh. You get a point for that. Um, no, but I do encourage you to watch it. It it is kind of creepy. There is some adult uh, humor in there, but it's a good movie. Basically, he brought up the idea of you know I want to know if my dog's going to heaven when they die, and when I die, am I going to see my dog in heaven? You know, we we'd like to think yes, but. There are some people out there who are very strong about holding the opinion of, you know, no, dogs do not go to heaven. Like, there's no way of salvation for them. Here's biblical references to talk about it, yada, yada, yada. Mm. So I want to know, are there dogs in heaven? Do dogs or any pet or any animal for that matter, you know, go to heaven? What is it that qualifies you to get to heaven is my topic for tonight. Wowzers. Yeah, still light, but also kind of heavy at the same time. Well, um, according to the internet, the Pope officially announced circa like 2016, it looks like, 2014, 2016, I'm getting mixed results, that uh, pets do go to heaven. So So were they not getting to heaven before that? Well, it's kind of unclear. Um, Pope John Paul II did go the opposite direction. But he reportedly claimed that he does believe animals have souls. Um, but then later, 20 years later, another pope said that only humans go to heaven. So it, it's kind of been mixed results among the papal authorities over the years, it looks like. Now, now you see why I'm interested in this topic. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think, I think to be consistent... Josh doesn't think anyone or anything goes to heaven, so... <laughs> I was just going to say, I think to be consistent, I should say no. <laughs> Because he doesn't think he's going there either. <laughs> right? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. But I don't know. Like it. Yeah. End of episode. There you go. No, just kidding. Wow. Shortest <laughs> one ever. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Is that you singing our theme song? Was that what that yeah, was? Yeah, that's me doing the theme song. It d- didn't really work. <laughs> oh, wow. That was wild. Okay. Man. This catches me at such a weird time because literally like two weeks ago, Dixie and I adopted a dog from the shelter. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Duck. 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 My precious mm-hmm. duck. Duck she, the dog. Yes. She's a dachshund chocolate lab mix. So she looks like a chocolate lab. And then she has just weird like wiener dog Pieces and parts is how I want to say it. Like her feet, her feet splay out on the end and she's like pretty long, but she just looks like a a lab puppy and she's, she's precious and already over a year old. So I know she's not going to grow that much. And truthfully, I've, I feel like I've learned things about God having a dog for even two weeks. And that's going to sound, I mean, I'm kind of lifting that idea straight from Richard Rohr again. Because he talks about in the universal Christ how like anything can teach us something about Christ and manifest Christ to us if our heart is open enough to it, right? And he talks right. about his dog doing that for him, right, throughout his the later stages of his life as he ages. So uh, three weeks ago, I would have been like, I 
don't really care about this question. Now I'm like, I, I don't see why God would want to exclude anything as purely joyful as dogs. Right. Like if anything that elevates the fun that's going to be had in heaven. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Emily? Because I know you have a pup too. Yeah, I do. Um, Daisy, and she's great. And I just think of like even previous pets that I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, I had guinea pigs growing up as a little girl. I've had many dogs. I remember, you know, Stephen. Remember Rogue, the giant. Oh, he's like half wolf, wolf right? Yeah, the giant wolf dog that I, she was great. She was amazing. She was the size of a horse. Yeah, but and she was so gentle. And I just think I would like to think rogue and ace and all my other pets hell even my fish i hope are in heaven i would like to think that you know if there is an afterlife if there is a heaven that i would see them again like they're loved ones they're not my spouse they're not my children but they're still family and so i would like to think that they are there like they there is something there for them aren't you on record on Ravel also saying that you kind of don't believe in afterlife, though? Yes. Yes, yeah. that's why I said if there is. Okay. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So now I'm put in the unique challenge of like, yeah, I think there is something. I will like to point out, you know, I think I would be leaning into the direction of like, yeah, if there's a heaven, then absolutely animals are there. Only because I think the movie Coco does a really good job of showing the purpose of animals in you know the afterlife and i think we kind of should look at that in the same scope for animals being present on earth you know being guides for us and being companions and having another means of connection that's deeper than just simply seeing them as food or you know providing fur or you know wool or whatever the case may be yeah and maybe this goes back to adam and eve you know the creation of the earth and the creation of the universe and then animals and then humans so you know what was there a purpose for having it be in that order i don't know the tie back to the bible is interesting because i feel like a lot of people love to quote for a variety of reasons people love to quote the whole verse about like the lion will lay down with the lamb and like there's going to be this like, oh, yeah. like animals are like mm. often used in the Bible as like symbols of peace and harmony. Yeah. Even if like animals are depicted in the faith traditions as like causing harm or chaos, there's often like a like a flip somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Or like an animal somehow being used for justice or like I'm thinking of like some of the Samson stories or um or even oh, just yeah. like the animals involved in Jesus' story. So like I think it's like totally reasonable to admit that animals are a part of us and animals have personality and animals are even like to some extent soulish so i i get the inclination to have like hopeful thinking because i also don't want to like i don't know as jokey as i am about the afterlife sometimes i don't want to like be too flippant about how impactful pet companions can be Mm. like i've never really had a pet to be honest like I've had fishes, but I don't really count those. I didn't really like have too many meaningful memories with the fish, you know? <laughs> what? <laughs> what, Josh? You didn't make meaningful <laughs> memories with your pet fish? <laughs> no. My my pet fish playing fetch in the park. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my goldfish killed the other fish that were in the tank and then died. Mm. After so we think it might have been like a murder suicide situation. That, you know, that's valid. Mm-hmm. Did Jesus pay for those sins? That's the question. Hey. <laughs> That's our next episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> and like, so in some ways, I get the the inclination to hope for more because in some ways, I think that the Bible hopes for more mm. regarding animals, mm. or like it used to be this way, quote unquote, mm-hmm. right? Like in the garden. But for me, it like, mm, for me, it's an interesting proxy to like find out what people believe about the afterlife because if you ask. I feel like Emily, this is like such a great example because you kind of brought it up earlier that like so many, there's so many different opinions about animals mm-hmm. and the afterlife as a potential. And if you ask someone what they believe about that, it often just reveals what they believe about the afterlife, oh, like whether or not it's point. physical, whether or not 
there's like different stages of redemption or blah, 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 or. That's a really good point because it also makes you think, well, A, if you have to earn salvation as as a human, like what do animals have to do to earn salvation? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's the other thing you made me think of is that um, Stephen, like you just recorded this episode about personality on the Whiskey Bench, which actually I have yet to listen to. But I bet you guys have some good takes about like where personality comes from. I don't even know if you guys talked about animals on there, but I feel like one of the questions that it brings up for me is like, well, if we're going to consider animals, like, does that mean that like the prerequisite to be considered for heaven is personality? Mm. I love Mm -hmm. that question. Oh, I just, I love the question of like what gets you into heaven because like, I mean, there's a way to just write it off and be like, well, were your sins paid for by God? Which speaking of sins being paid for, like, and speaking of animals in the Bible, like that was the entire sacrificial system. Like there was, mm-hmm. there was literal value placed on. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Poor people can use doves. Richer people need to use the best of their flocks, like the spotless lamb or whatever. And then we have the the literal scapegoat that we're going to chase into the wilderness and al- allow to die. You know. Yeah. And then, like to take it a step further, I think that if someone doesn't believe that animals are going to heaven, it, it could be really interesting to like interrogate why. Because like if someone's only reasoning for animals don't go to heaven is based around well, like animals don't appear to have like super cognition, super consciousness in the way that humans do. Like they don't have rational decision making. They don't have language abilities. Then in some ways it's kind of dangerous to do logic like that because like there are humans who don't have those things. So like oh. if you are disqualifying animals based off of just those metrics, wow. right? that can be a little, uh, that's been used for genocide before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Those are, those are dangerous waters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. That's, that's justification for eugenics in many forms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the other side too, like, let us not discount some of the, like, I mean, communication certainly happens in the animal kingdom, not that we necessarily understand, but even the way like chimps and bonobos will communicate with their facial expressions, with the different noises they make. I mean, the fact that we can teach gorillas sign language in zoos Mm -hmm. and like they, I mean, like human infants can also learn sign language, right? Yeah. Well, even like look at birds and how they're able to mimic words. Hmm. You know what's interesting? bringing up like the idea of animals having you know consciousness and super intelligence and and things of that nature the word animal where it comes from you do you know where it comes from no it's uh, the word so animosity the Latin, anim, anima is the latin word for soul oh i didn't know that oh curious and so delightful we have animals right so the word soul is in there title or identification and yet there are people who hold firm to the belief that they don't have souls i just think that's very ironic (laughs) Mm. and what qualifies a soul like what is a soul if that is what it comes down to Uh, sometimes i mean it's a good question yeah sometimes on ravel we bump up against questions that i'm like this is literally what mankind has been trying to figure out for our entire history. <laughs> I told you it could get intense. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I, I think that that's why that so many people are so adamantly loving about their pets, whether it's here on Earth or hoping for an afterlife with them is because like so many animals very clearly have personality and cognitive attributes that to us seem almost human-like, which is like a cognitive bias of ours, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's... I, it's such a classic question that, like, obviously humanity's been trying to answer. But in some ways, I don't like how the question is framed. Not Nothing against you, Emily, but <laughs> the... Oh, I'm taking offense. The totally. whole question around, like, what is the soul? Where is the soul? To me, it's, like, almost a nonsensical question that is... I think a lot of people can get, like, improperly wrapped up in, if you will. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, like somebody might not know that like the whole idea of a soul comes from Platonist philosophy that slightly predates Jesus. And then that Platonist philosophy can often be used to like overlay the New Testament in ways that the original writers didn't necessarily intend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. even like the whole yeah. idea of heaven being on that separate plane. That's 
Platonism. Yeah, the three-tiered yeah. language in Platonism. Right. Also, the the slippery slope into Gnosticism, right? Essentially saying oh, that yeah. the body is like defiled and everything hellish and that the soul, like we need to shed our bodies somehow, right? And our souls are the pure thing. Yeah. But even like being aware of stuff like that, like I'm not even convinced that thinking about a soul is the absolute worst thing you could do either. Because like if that gets you to question like <laughs> who you are and what you're about and like mm. like what the overlaps are between like your personality, cognition, and your beliefs, like that's really valuable. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I Can we go back to prerequisites to uh, admission into heaven? Oh, yes, I suppose. Because I'm oh, OK. So like in the in the same manner, Josh, I suppose I need to be up front and say to be a consistent Christian universalist like I am, then, of course, everything gets to heaven because all things will be mm. made new and everything will be brought under the headship of the Christ. Yeah. But I used to believe something different. You know, I used to believe mm-hmm. that the prerequisites for getting to heaven was first admitting that like in a philosophical way, admitting that there is something like absolute truth so that from absolute truth, you can argue that that truth is given by a creator and that creator has just precepts that we can learn about in the Bible. And then from those just precepts, we can learn that mankind regularly rebels from such laws and such precepts. And that makes us guilty. And being guilty, we were in need of a savior through like the shedding of blood, right? But that Jesus being the sinless one shed his blood and because his blood was sinless, then it atones for everything and resurrection was possible. So like pretty good synopsis of evangelicalism. Do you think like, and not even in like a throwing shade way, that's kind of, Mm -hmm. that's kind of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess my first question inside, like if I'm stepping back into that paradigm, you know, putting my old clothes back on, I guess the prerequisite first that I think of for animals is, are they guilty of breaking divine law? And would we be able to know if they were? Mm, Is that our, is it our responsibility to know? And like, do we have to save, like, that just leads down to so many other questions, you know? Like, are we responsible for their salvation? Right. Do we need to evangelize to them? Evangelize my little pup duck, you know? (laughs) I mean, crows have funerals for each other. Like, Mm -hmm. they might be the most Mm. closely religious species that we can tell. Like, they have, like, some sort of, like, ritual. Elephants also hold vigil and they'll... Oh, yeah, elephants too. They regularly revisit their relatives' grave sites as they wander and migrate. Which most anthropologists, like from what I understand, like hold that like ritual in a species is often like the prerequisite for religious behavior beginning. Mm. Right. Right. But do, okay, so like Duck has had a couple run-ins with us where, you know, she knocked over like a potted plant, right? And Dixie and I used tones of voices to make it very clear to the dog that we were displeased with her behavior. And immediately, like her, like the dog's whole body language shifts, you know, she gets really low. She Mm -hmm. gives you those like puppy dog eyes from way close to the ground. She starts like whimpering a little bit. Like I'm convinced she knows that we're displeased and that she's actively learning what behavior to not repeat in the future. But I don't know if she's racked with a sense of Enneagram one guilt like I am three days later. (laughs) Mm hmm. Like, I'm not, like, even if she remembers the experience, if only that it taught her something, I don't think she's, like, dwelling on it and feeling like, oh, my, oh, my people hate me now, you know? Yeah. Mm. Do you think it would be inconsistent for a Christian to believe in afterlife of some sort for humans and then be annihilationist for animals? Like, this is all that there is for the animals. (sighs) They're, They're done. Well... I think I'm not sure if that's inconsistent. I think my older paradigms of like image of God would say that like, no, there's, there's no soul behind my dog's eyes, right? Like Mm -hmm. they're just another thing that lives and dies on the planet 
their soul goes nowhere, right? There's no afterlife for them. It's like, this is all there is. But because we as humans are called the image of God and we are like, you know, created after his image, we have the breath of God in us from the Adam and Eve story, right? Like we are something special and therefore we get the special place in heaven or we get the most, much worse place in a cur- eternal conscious torment. Mm-hmm. Like the stakes are higher because we have a soul and the Imago Dei, whereas a dog, sure, some people would say, does not embody the Imago Dei. Well, well, wouldn't the Christian universalists say that animals do embody the Imago Dei because the universe does? Actually, for that instance, wouldn't the panentheist? That's absolutely what I say. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, then there you go. That is truly what I believe. So, which is also curious. This is kind of an idea, and I don't know if we would be able to make this an entire episode, so I kind of want to bring it up now. Oh, go for it. I wonder if panentheism is like splitting hairs where it doesn't need to happen. And if it's just like the language of panentheism just makes Christians easier about believing something like pantheism. And just because we were taught that the Hindus were wrong about pantheism, right? We just like ours is something different, but they seem so close to me now and the lines seem to get very blurry. So I'm not sure if the distinction is necessary. Like, couldn't that just be called pantheism if the image of God is in everything? No, I still no. see them as different, like based off of what I know, I, although I know that we listen to the same podcast, I know that we're both like kind of coming from that you have permission episode about panentheism, which was a great episode. We'll put a link in the show notes to that one. Sure. But like, I still like the the room for mystery in panentheism that like the universe is somehow in God, but God itself is somehow greater than and more than just the universe. So the and yet yeah. is what it what makes it panentheism and what distinguishes that from pantheism. Like God is not all encompassed yeah. by the universe by being the universe. God is right. and yet is something separate. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like a like a a baby in its mother almost, but not really. Not really the same thing. Mm-hmm. I guess it'd be more like a it'd be more like an organ. Oh, that's that's a better bodily analogy. How so? Say more. Well, no, I don't know if I like <laughs> that. Like the the organ is inside of and a part of the body, but the body itself is much more than just that organ. Oh, yes. and you mean yeah, and you mean we call it body of Christ for some reason? What? That's funny. That's funny. <gasps> what? Wow. <laughs> all right, all right, that's mm, fair. Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. So back to animals then, back to animals then, if, if yeah. you know, God is somewhere in there, right, I believe. So I've heard some, I wish I could say who, but I, I've heard some Christians mention the logic of like, well, God could just like create new ones. Like God did it once, God will just create more animals in heaven. Like the Bible talks about animals and obviously animals are important, so like... God might not use the same animals again, like in the great recycling program of heaven, but reduce, reuse, recycle, <laughs> but might just make more, which is like kind of a leap of logic. But I guess I can kind of appreciate like the like leaning into the mystery of like, well, we're not really sure. Sure, but maybe like here's one like here's one possibility. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't, I don't know if God would need to do that, right? Like, mm, duck, mm-hmm. duck dies in a decade. And then in whatever my experience of after this life is, like, a new dog is fine, but, like, it, it would be, like, quite a beautiful reunion, right? To recognize mm. something of my dog of 12 years, right? Like, she's going to be with me into my mid to late 30s, if not early 40s. And that's a big chunk of time, mm. right? Like I can look forward that far and like imagine my dog that far in the future with me. And mm. that would create quite a beautiful reunion in my mind. And I don't know if God, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it, to me, it, it's reminding me of like, yeah, Job, your wife left you and all your kids died and you lost all your riches. And at the end of the book, I'll just give you a new wife and new children. Like a consolation. But wait, that's what happened, isn't it? Well, yeah, in the story. And I kind of don't like that 
as part of the story, oh. right? Like it's, it just feels like a consolation of like, you get something back, but it's like, yeah, but other people had to die, right? Like, mm. I don't need that. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I keep coming back to is what would the purpose be if animals did get to go to heaven? You know, if they do, if they don't, do they further... I guess do they do they have a purpose if they were to get to heaven? Do they like, need one other than to well, exist and share joy know. like they do now? Cuz like I don't I don't necessarily know if my dog has a purpose unless I give her one. Like her existence well, then, oh, doesn't see? necessarily get imbued with purpose in the way a human being contemplates their purpose. That's true. And maybe that's another thing some people could say, like, well, that's what makes human beings special is because we contemplate, like, things much larger than ourselves. And my dog, you know, she's aware of a few blocks radius of our house. And to her, that's, like, her entire world. Mm-hmm. And that's all it has to be, right? Yeah. We certainly give her a purpose. Like, the reason we adopted her is because Dixie has been going through a process with her doctor and now her new therapist of like getting herself off of medication to treat anxiety mm-hmm. and depression because we we discovered that those medications were actually part of the difficulty that we're finding in our fertility journey as a family. Oh wow. Right? So oh, getting those getting those chemicals out of her system, doctors are hoping will encourage like her cycles to normalize and like her uterus to be a lot more like fertile ground, right? Mhm. So the recommendation from the doctor and the new therapist is you should get an emotional support animal and cats can't be that because they're so independent and so like broody on their own. Yeah. You know, you're just going to start mirroring that personality. Like they're fun to cuddle and stuff, but like dogs need a lot more attention. So duck Mm -hmm. officially is Dixie's dog and she acts as an emotional support animal in our house Yeah, to give Dixie a reason to externalize Right. Some of her feelings or, you know, just in the moment, like while she wouldn't mind me sharing this, like while I was at work on Monday, Dixie had a panic attack. And the first thing she said was not that she had a panic attack. She messaged me while I was at work and said, Duck did her job today. And I was like, what does that mean? She's like, well, I had a panic attack. And as soon as it started, like the dog was like up on me on the couch, like paws on my chest, like licking my face Mm -hmm. and kind of just like crying along with me and then we just snuggled for a couple hours and i'm like oh wow like the dog was present enough for that she's so emotional support animals don't have to be trained as you know they're not uh, like a certified service animal pretty much any animal can be an esa just as long as they require some care and attention like Mm -hmm. like happy dogs do so we give her that purpose and in a way, it's probably consoling or like uh, there's like an element of hope or like thankfulness for like, God, thank you for putting this dog in our life as if like God had a purpose for her. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if the dog has a sense of that. Maybe maybe they do. So I guess to your. Yeah, maybe they do. I mean, yeah, of course, maybe like They're, we're back we to the to... mystery. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I guess back to your original question, I guess like in this in the exact same way we could give animals in heaven a sense of purpose just like that but like if if we were to go with the idea of god could just create you know oh well you know we need dogs in heaven and god could just create them like wouldn't that essentially then lead to the idea then they need a purpose Hmm. we're gonna take a quick break to say a few thank yous then we'll be back to our conversation Thank you to our generous patrons for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Y'all are such a huge encouragement to us. If you'd like to support future episodes of Ravel, visit patreon.com slash ravelpod or by tapping the link in the show notes. Thank you to everyone who is giving five-star ratings and thoughtful reviews on Apple Podcasts and to everyone who contributes to our weekly discussions at RavelPod on Instagram and Twitter. And of course, much love to Louis Zong for the use of our theme music in full color. And thank you to the Highline Media Network for having us as one of their founding podcasts. Here's a quick preview of a recent episode from our sister show, No Normal People. It's like, all right, well, this is new. Um, (laughs) This is new. 
This is fun. <laughs> Unlock the door, open the door, and they like put your hand on your head, put your back towards us. And I looked at Steven, who's in the passenger seat of the car. I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, kind of giving him eyes. And he just looks at me and he just said, I'm sorry. And I'm just like, what are you sorry for? Like, like I don't have time to figure this out. And then oh my, so my hands are on my head. My friend in the car just said, I'm sorry. And uh, the cop says to me at this point, he's like, walk backwards to the sound of my voice. If you make any sudden movements, you'll be shot. What? And uh, <laughs> yeah. And now back to the conversation. You, you guys have seen Finding Nemo, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yes, oh, okay. I have. <laughs> okay, well, you know that you know that one type of fish that's like it's like super deep down in the trenches and an it's like angler an, fish. Is it an angler? Is that what it's called? Yeah, where it has an like the dangly, fish. yeah, that like creepy. glows in the dark and it like looks gnarly. Um, do you do you think we have angler fishes in heaven? Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what you've helped me to realize now is that we're essentially we're essentially arguing like is diversity in heaven valuable yeah i guess mm. so yeah okay i, I want to hear your angle on this what are you how, what well, are you thinking okay about? so in in the context of purpose like we can think like well there's probably not a a purpose to have like over 300 unique species of flies right or, <laughs> or mosquitoes <laughs> or fish or like dogs right like there is the wolf but even that like there's diversity amongst different populations of wolves across the world and then we Mm -hmm. go and specialize breeds by domestically breeding discovering that we can get what we want out of genetics if we choose and select correctly right so like is there a purpose does god even need a purpose for diversity beyond just some showcase of creativity and just like look at the way all this unfolded isn't this neat Mm. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying there. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm into anglerfish. Oh, okay, so, that makes one person. I like them. I think Just they're kidding. cool. They're very cool. I like, think there are tons of people who love them. Self, yeah. like an animal being able to cause chemical reactions in their bodies to emit light. I want to be able to do yeah. that. Right? Come on. You know those animals? It's like a specific type of insect, and I can never remember what it is called. But they survive by like burrowing into the eye sockets of living beings. And it often happens in children in Africa. Mm. And it's like a it's like an extreme pest. Like it's a (gasps) are they in heaven? Because if they're in heaven to us on Earth so far, it seems like their only evolutionary purpose is to destroy other living beings Mm-hmm. Yeah, and usually humans. Yeah, and like that's the best way they survive. That causes suffering, right? Well, yeah. so then that breaks it down even. Then, yeah, this gets us into the suffering. Well, and that I'm just thinking even microscopic. Do does any organism get into heaven? Um, like are amoebas in heaven? Hmm. Oh yeah, I mean this is the classic. Like, will where will there be cancer in heaven? Right. Oh, <gasps> uh, that is a great question. I didn't even think about that. I don't know how to answer that. I'm also thinking now about like what could become a paradox of like carnivorous animals being in heaven. Like mm-hmm. things have to die for us to eat meat. Right. So like mm, is heaven yeah. vegan? Is heaven vegan? I hope not. Well, I've heard Christians say it is. They've made that oh. extrapolation from Genesis of like that one verse where it says oh, that they yeah. didn't eat animals until after the fall. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say it that well, clearly. It's like kind of a, you have to read into it a little bit. You do have to read into it, yeah. Stephen, what I was trying to highlight with the anglerfish thing is I think that the the pet discussion is really interesting. And like, there's all these like examples of it in pop culture, like all dogs go to heaven. Great example. I remember far side cartoons about like dogs and cats in heaven and like what cat heaven is like versus dog heaven. And oh, it's like yeah. really cutesy. Um, I'm sorry, I don't mean to like, I don't, I'm not trying to offend or like downplay the the pet thing. But I think that it like, it's often only considered when it's regarding like our beloved pets, which of course, because like we've often been in, mm. been with them for years, mm-hmm. but it doesn't usually involve like the broad animal kingdom. Mm-mm. And right. I think that there are plenty of people out there who like become vegan out of compassion for the animal kingdom. Sure. And to me, that's like the the step beyond just like loving your pets is like broadly loving the animals that you don't have a direct relationship with. 
And I think that if, I think if anyone's going to consider animals being a part of life beyond death, I think that you're kind of ethically obligated to consider their life now also. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, does that mean I have to respect spiders then? Oh, man. Those who follow Jainism would say yes, but we're not Jainists, so you don't have to, I guess. Okay, because I hate spiders. But also, Emily, to the purpose facet of the conversation, mm. spiders keep many other that is like, true. disease-carrying pests out of the home, yes. right? Like, this is an ecosystem, and the spiders serve a purpose. Mm. I agree. They give me the creepy crawlies, and uh, like in the worst ways. <laughs> yeah. Mm, don't even get me started. Josh, you bring up a good point about regarding all animals and species. It makes me think of how here on Earth we do treat animals. So, yes, like we have pets and we love our pets. You know, we memorialize our pets. I had a professor in college who cremated her cat and then got that cat tattooed on her so like the ink was mixed with the ashes of her cat and like put on her body so interesting but then on the other side i think about how we treat animals negatively so as much as we love you know Mm. zoos and sea world like oh have you guys seen that documentary on it was on netflix i think it's gone now um i've heard it's a hard watch it is a hard watch i will be the guy who like SeaWorld is obviously an atrocious example. On the whole, I actually find zoos to be like a compassionate project. Yes. For, you know, for specific members of those species who are like, who are found to be injured and wouldn't survive or like, yes, what, you know, aren't compatible with their native habitats. Right. In that light. Yes. I just think of, think of the work. There are, I'm sure there are people though who do work at zoos and they, you know, they do mistreat animals. Um, oh, certainly. And you think of, you know, Harambe and animals oh, like that. Rest in where, peace. <gasps> yes. See, is Harambe in heaven? Wait, like, but was Harambe guilty of anything? Okay. Because, like, a human justice system was like, yeah, he thrashed around a kid. And that's, that's dangerous. And we can't have an animal in a zoo act like that if accidents occur. But Harambe was acting out of what... He thought was protecting. Right. So. But was he breaking God's laws and was he need in, in need of a savior first before he died? Makes you wonder. Never forget. Um, <laughs> have you guys ever, <laughs> have you guys ever heard of the book Eating Animals? No. <gasps> yes. You've read it? I haven't read it. I need to. Ugh. I've had so many people tell me that I need to. It's good. It's good. Um, I haven't watched the documentary by it about it, but it's by this author named Jonathan Safran Foyer. And it's a really intriguing read because as the title kind of suggests, you can like approach this issue from many ways. Like the phrase eating animals could refer to the fact that we eat animals, but it could also refer to we animals are eating. We are eating animals. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm, And we -hmm. are animals eating animals. And he... The guy's more of a journalist, admittedly. He's not a scientist. Um, he is compiling. He's doing reviews. He's interviewing. So it's still a really, really valuable book. But he opens with a really thought-provoking thought experiment, which is that we should eat dogs. There's millions of pounds of dog meat that just go wasted every year. We could feed the world. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, we don't want to do that. Like, for some reason, it appalls us. And, like, there's something about dogs, even though, like, the science shows that pigs are just as affectionate and intelligent. Mm-hmm. And so his, his opening chapter to this book is, like, it's very poignant and in your face. And he, then throughout the rest of the book, he goes through, like, lots of different information about, like, current farming practices and the industry and, like, some of the vested interests that happen among politicians and lobbying groups. And, uh, spoiler alert, in the end, he admits himself that he doesn't think it's sustainable, based off of the data, that the entire world could be vegetarian. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow being animals eating animals is sustaining us and might be the answer 
to sustaining us as a species. And it doesn't seem like there's a clear answer out of it. Interesting. It's a really good book. I, I would recommend. It's been a couple of years since I've read it, but I think he brings up a good point that like there is something, obviously, that evolutionarily speaking, we might not be able to explain that like, why would we be so affectionate towards animals if we like need the animals to eat? Like, are we just trying to like prolong their species so that we can keep eating them? Like, what is that? Like, why would we have this moral dilemma when it seems like the rest of the animal kingdom does not? Which I think is fascinating. Mm. To think oh, about. like they like other predators don't have a like a moral quandary about hunting what they hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't see the cheetah <laughs> trying to do like this journalistic work. Like, <laughs> should we be eating the antelope? <laughs> what if they have feelings too? Like, they don't give a. <laughs> but we're the ones. We're the ones who are like, well, maybe the maybe the blue whales are in danger because we killed too many. I don't know. Yeah, it's just an example. Oh. Like, it, I think it is fascinating to think about like the the mix of human affection with like the need for survival, yeah. and then beyond that, like those of us who are religious ish are even willing to consider like, well, if there's a life after this one, maybe like we can be redeemed for our moral quandaries and failures in eating them by mm. the fact that they're going to be in heaven. Yeah. Oh. So, yes. oh my gosh, you just made me think of the fact that the the sacrifices in the tabernacle and the temple for the Israelites literally fed the Levite priests. Ooh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Like, the Levites were not vegetarian. That meat wasn't going to waste. It was literally feeding the entire tribe that didn't get land out of the deal because they were set apart as the yeah. priestly class. That's a very good point. Whoa. Wow. I think what, the, I think what black labs need to do I'm just using this example because um, Duck is a black lab wiener. So I think what the dogs really need to do is like really search their hearts for like the ways that they've harmed other beings in this world and need to consider if uh, that, like that's the way that they want to live their life. And if it's not, um, they need to reconcile with the fact that like they need something outside of themselves to save them. And we're all in need of a savior. And like hope is just around the corner, you know. So if it's any dog's first time here, um, like considering whether or not you should accept Jesus Christ as your dog and savior, let's get coffee afterwards. Well, well wait. Done. So hold on, hold on, hold on. If we, if, if we are to hold the idea, if okay, if we are to hold to the idea that you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus did not speak to animals. Nobody St. Francis did. Oh, but it's not he's not Jesus. He's not the same. Nobody St. Francis. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it's not Jesus. Jesus let the pigs get killed by legion over the cliff. So who's the yeah. who's the real superior moral teacher anyway? Oh. That <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What's your point, point about Jesus not being able to speak to animals? Or not, like, bringing his ministry to animals, I think is what she's saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, Jesus wasn't here to redeem the animals. He was not here to redeem animals. Truthfully, this is gonna, this is gonna make me sound like the heretic I am. Like, Please do. I think Jesus's ministry was more about teaching human beings that if we need a sense of redemption, here it is. But, like, you were good and you always have been because I created you to be that. Ooh. And there's plenty of Christians Ooh. out there that like come to veganism because of Jesus. Like Greg Boyd, great example. I like he's oh, just like yeah. the most prominent person I can think of, but like he has totally come to this like pacifist view because of Jesus and he has extended that to being uh, a vegan out of ethical reasons. Mm-hmm. To like not like he believes that like the gospel is like inherently nonviolent against humans and the world. And therefore, yeah. he shouldn't eat animals. Mm, mm-hmm. I love the point, though, from the journalist guy that's like, if everyone thought that the the earth is like unsustainably either populous or like so many plants are gone now that we, we've, we've completely mm-hmm. rocked our ecosystem now. Like there's something about it, mm-hmm. the healthy balance of like the diet that involves both because it's dipping into so many ecosystems that need that healthy cycle of death consumption and rebirth 
Well, and it also begs the question, I think, of like, is there ecosystem in heaven? If like you're going to consider, like kind of going back to my point about fish earlier, like if you're going to consider animals being in heaven or like carnivorous and prey species being in heaven together, like does that imply that there has to be some sort of ecosystem, even if God fixes it somehow, quote unquote? I don't know. Right. So there is something to like, we don't eat dogs. And it makes me think of like, like the farmers here in Montana that make sure they tell their kids, like, don't name the cow that we're going to butcher this winter. Yep. There's something to giving a creature a name. Maybe it's just anthropomorphizing them enough to be like a personality comes with a name. So like, right, right. Because, because dogs are to a domesticated point that they are just the pets that of course the dog has a name. It's not just the dog, right? In the same way you can just be like, that's our butcher cow this year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Like naming these creatures does something to us and for us, even if it doesn't change anything about the animal themselves. I mean, of course, there's pattern recognition. Like, I'm sure before we adopted our dog, Duck, her name was not Duck, but she's figured it out that it, that's her name now, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, which is is making me think of the Lord asking Adam to name all the creatures. Mm. And maybe that's just like, what is this species called? Right. And like, this is bovine. (laughs) This is equine or whatever. (laughs) But maybe it was more than that. Maybe it was something about like, because names are a huge part of the Bible, right? Abram becoming Abraham. Oh yeah. Right. Like names transforming at Mm. major, like life transforming Parts. Granted, I don't think there's a named animal in the Bible. Not even the donkey that gets to carry Jesus in on Palm Sunday has a name. I believe the donkey did. You think their owner did? I think. And that Matthew just I, didn't write yeah, it down? I think. Well, haven't you ever seen Nestor the Long-Eared Donkey? No. Oh my gosh. Nestor the Long-Eared <laughs> Donkey is one of those Basin Franklin Christmas movies, like really old animation movies. Hmm about the donkey with really long ears that the ears covered baby Jesus in the manger and like kept him warm, you know, whatever. I I hold on to the belief that Nestor grew up and he was able to bring Jesus into Jerusalem on that day. That is like a that is like a dream that like I so desperately hold on to is that Nestor is the donkey that Jesus rode that day into Jerusalem. And is that just like a piece of tradition that you've found enough meaning in to just hold on to? Honestly, no. (laughs) Honestly, no. I can't tell if you're joking right now. I haven't recorded with you in so long. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I mean, it does make you wonder, though, that did Adam have like a pet dog, a pet fish, angler fish or whatever, Mm. you know? Did he, yes, he named the animals, but did he name the animals? Did he, like, claim one particular animal as being different from the others Hmm. by naming it and seeing something within that creature as being something more than Uh, just... I I see where you're headed with that, but I... I also can't help think of thinking of like basically the next scene in the story where he's looking around and saying, all these creatures are partnered up and it doesn't seem like God has given me a compartner of, or wow, a compartner. What is that? A partner of like kind. Right. And that's where he's put to sleep. The rib is removed and Eve is formed. Right. So like, even if there was a pet situation in there, it was, I mean, I don't think you're saying this, but like, it's clearly not having a pet does not satisfy the same types of like, uh, seeking wholeness and companionship in another human being. And I know that's not what you're saying, but there is something though, that pets provide that I think like for me, for example, I love my husband. I love my baby Thea, but there are times where they drive me like absolutely nuts. I will turn to my dog. Like, My dog is something that in this setting, like, depends on me. You know, like, she knows that I feed her every morning and every evening. Like, we take her for walks. We play with her. She relies on me, but she 
does not realize, or maybe she does, how much like I rely on her for joy and for, you know, an outlet of providing Mm -hmm. comfort or providing, you know, uh, some sort of sustenance. And I think sometimes we just kind of forget that, you know, like Dixie, for example, like she has an emotional support animal. She has you for support, but this dog, Duck, is now providing something more, like providing Mm. something else to that. Like, yes, Eve was crucial for Adam. Like, he was lonely, whatever the case may be. But I wonder, like, did he have a pet? And he was like, you know, Duck the Duck or Duck the Dog, like, you're great. I love you. But I do need someone else. Like, I do need something like me to connect to but i still want to hold on to you like i don't know like that could be a possibility adam's pet was the one that was slaughtered to give them skin the clothing <gasps> after they sinned <laughs> that's his that's punishment. That, is, that that is the lesson that's like straight out of a far side <laughs> right? cartoon you killed that's my funny. dog <laughs> and that is why we don't name our <laughs> that is <laughs> oh. oh gosh oh wow that's funny wow do you think that god goes to heaven goes to oh, what yeah do you mean do you mean like pops by for a visit like yeah uh, yeah i mean okay. like if uh if like personality and cognition are good enough of a prerequisite to be in heaven does that mean god gets to go to heaven too like god oh, didn't need what? to be saved right oh my god I don't know what people expect when they, like, imagine heaven. Like, I feel like so many people, like, at least openly admit that, like, there's some creative vision there. Like, that we can only know so much. Like, the Bible only tells us so much, which I think is intellectually humble. Like, regardless of what you believe about the Bible. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's very humble to admit that, like, we obviously don't know. (laughs) Like, none of us have been. (laughs) None of us know if we can go there. But, like, I don't know what most Christians expect when... They imagine God somehow being present in mm. heaven in a way that God is not present on earth. Does God need to be present in heaven? Well, I, I think so. Like, I think that most Christians tend to describe, at least this is the way I've heard it, tend to describe heaven as like always being in God's presence and like always worshiping God somehow, even if it's not like through music and singing. Like, you're just like always enveloped in God. And like, are they just like, Imagining that, like, they'll meet Jesus at some point, and then, like, the Holy Spirit is just, like, literally everywhere, but, like, don't you already believe that about God here? That God is everywhere? Mm. So, like, oh. what's the difference? Like, what are you believing is going to be different? Yeah, th- what is, what's the line that, oh. Mm. I think it's probably something to do with, like, the fulfillment on the down payment. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, like, we we get... I mean, this is how I've heard it framed is right. Like the Holy Spirit now on earth is like the down payment of what being like in the Trinity's totality of presence will be like in heaven. Right. Because like the like descriptions in Revelation, people used to say, like, we don't even need the sun because the light of God provides light to the city the whole time. Right. Great. So God is just mm. embodied by light in heaven. That's how we see God. Yeah, but God is also embodied through Jesus of Nazareth, like resurrected state, like allowing people to poke the scars on his body. Right. Great. Okay. Yeah. That's all good and fine. We just like have Jesus make a celebrity appearance every couple of weeks and like assure us <laughs> that everything is physical still. I mean, maybe. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But in, in like, in an ultimate way, I think really like down payment and fulfillment of that promise is the way I've like, is the way I was raised to think about it. Right. And Uh truthfully, it does feel most consistent to say like, yeah, I kind of think that the people who wake up to the fact that heaven is a today reality and not a tomorrow reality, Mm. like when Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is here. I think he meant literally, like, wake up and taste the Holy Spirit around you. Like, heaven can start, <laughs> heaven can start now, as many mega pastors like to say. That just feels like a very consistent, almost universalist, panentheistic 
way of saying, yeah, the presence of God doesn't change. It's just our awareness of it. Or we're tuned to it in a better way in heaven. I don't know. Mm. Do you guys have any wrapping up thoughts or any last minute comments or questions or ideas? This one is a little, this might be a little far reaching because this is not based off of any meaningful research in any way, like either like psychologically or religiously. But I was reminded of the concept of pareidolia, which is like the, the tendency of you to see depictions in things that aren't actually there. Like the most common example is like seeing faces in a rock or Mm -hmm. in the clouds or like some experts believe that like this is the reason why we think we see ghosts or think we see like shadow people. They're, They're like examples of like our brains trying to make sense of something and trying to like piece things together in a way that like represents something we've seen before. Mm-hmm. Or there's like a couple like psychologically projective tests, like the Rorschach is the best example, oh, where yeah. you like look for what you see in the nothingness. Oh. And I think it doesn't seem too much of a stretch to like look at this issue as a like a type of pareidolia or a type of projection. And that's not to like discount it or like invalidate people's like love and affection for animals, but I think it totally makes sense for humans to like look at an animal that like displays behavior and be like oh they're acting like a person Mm, mm -hmm. like of course we're gonna think that because like we are people and we have behaviors and when like something matches something that we've done we're like oh they're just like us and that totally makes sense and like that's not wrong to do like i think that that can be very like (laughs) for lack of a better word that can be very humanizing towards other species (laughs) like sometimes that's what it takes for us to see their value and then like along the lines of the afterlife i think it totally makes sense for religious people to be like well well maybe dogs go too because they're kind of like us yeah and Mm. i think that's okay to admit like i don't think that um just because there's like psychological phenomena at work that doesn't necessarily invalidate something like like going back to your example Stephen of dixie like Dixie's depression or anxiety or like whatever it is, is not in any way diminished by us giving it a label. Mm-hmm. It's still very much real. Like it's still very much an experience and a reality. Mm. But I think yeah. sometimes like having some framework for us to wrap our heads around something like, why does this happen on like a massive scale? I think sometimes that can be a little helpful. Mm. So I was just reminded of that. I like that. Steven, anything you wish to add? <sighs> Not to the topic, I don't think. I guess I will say I just want to thank Danelle again for joining Patreon and paying for our drinks this week. It's been a delight getting to know them in the Discord. Also, if people are following us on social media, they may have seen that we seem to have picked up some odd, uh, something like bot activity or something on Apple Podcasts that's like flooding us with some annoying one-star reviews. It would Mm be tremendously helpful and we will be very grateful to you if you would go drop a rating at what you think our show is worth and share a sentence or two about uh what we've made you think of or what you like about the show something like that that would be great and greatly appreciated it would be we read every single one and it is uh it is very encouraging like um someone named Doug E Death I don't think that's a real name it might be Doug mentioned that he did not grow up in the evangelical church and it's really interesting to have a glimpse into this world. And as a liberal Quaker, I am intrigued and Mm. I've never grown up liberal Quaker, but it's just so interesting to hear that like, as we like think through different Christian beliefs that we don't have or don't identify with, or maybe we are finding that we do identify with that like other people can be along for the ride, even if they don't completely identify with where we've come from. And Mm -hmm. that's super encouraging to me. So uh, thank you for everyone who has left a review. It just like means the world to us. Yeah. To hear from you. So cheers to that. Emily, do you have a benediction for us tonight? Of course I do. Yes. Whether you see animals as companions and whether you see them as 
being there in heaven with us if we get to go to heaven. Uh, just know that these are all questions that we are grappling with and how we see each other, how we see creatures, how we see God in the afterlife are all part of the journey and it's a journey that's wonderful to explore. got goosebumps again emily's back (laughs) i should have oh josh i don't like you panting this sounds weird that's okay it's fine i'm (laughs) i'm just like working on my inner dog to uh you know make sure that i'm right with the lord sure yeah looking (laughs) if we're gonna if we're gonna anthropomorphize onto dogs we might as well awaken our inner dogs right (laughs) yeah (laughs) whatever that means okay hello and welcome to no normal people i'm steven and i'm dixie lee the internet didn't need another podcast interviewing the same famous authors artists and thought leaders dixie my friend bailey educated me about a word called sonder and this is the realization that any stranger or passerby you see has a life equally complex deep and vibrant as your own so join us every Tuesday as we talk to the normal people in our lives and hopefully inspire Sonder in yours. No normal people. It's like Humans of New York, but a podcast and in Montana. Highline Media Network. Normal people in normal places. <laughs>